What are you doing to scale your business? I want you to think about that while you listen to today's episode. It might help you scale. Welcome to Blair Radio, where every brand can be heard. Now, the voice behind the mic, James Shannon. Hey, welcome to episode 11 of the Blair Radio podcast. I am James Shannon, and today is going to be a good one. If you have a virtual assistant or a VA for short, or maybe you're thinking about getting one, you might want to listen to today's guest and hear what she has to say. A VA may not be necessary quite yet. But VAs is just a small part of what we're going to cover today. We cover a lot in today's episode, like software or creating a process to keep things simple. One of the things that we cover is how starting a business is an evolution. And in this very episode, you hear me admit that I've been doing things wrong for a very long time. And I'm still learning how to grow and evolve to get to where I know I can get to. So I want you guys to listen closely and take a lot of notes because, like I said, we cover a lot today. Are you ready? All right, well, here you go. From Scalespark.co, today's guest has started and ran four different businesses. So you might want to pay attention. She is also the host of the Break the Ceiling podcast, one of the only two business podcasts that I listen to. I am honored to welcome Susan Bowles to the Blair Radio podcast. Welcome, Susan. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Um, first, I wanted to ask, growing up, what is it that you wanted to be or what is it that you wanted to do and how did that lead you to ScaleSpark? In no way did it lead me to ScaleSpark. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So growing up, uh, for most of my childhood, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then in high school, decided I wanted to be an astronaut. So I joined the Air Force. <laughs> which I suppose did in a very, very roundabout way lead me to scale spark, but because I met my husband and then ended up on this kind of journey. He was active duty Air Force. And um, so I ended up following him kind of everywhere and picking up different opportunities kind of as they came. Um, And that variety of, of opportunities, I guess, is probably what led me to ScaleSpark, but it is a very long path to get there. <laughs> well, first, I want to thank you both for your service. Um, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. Just Yeah, great. thank you. And I, I do want to talk more about ScaleSpark in a moment, but right now I want to talk about virtual assistants. On your website, you say that your philosophy is that there are better ways to run your company than finding more people to hire. But my question to you is if I need help with, let's say, emailing, bookkeeping, appointment setting, um, social media, lead generation, or whatever, does it not make sense to hire someone to manage those issues so that I can focus more on the tasks that I do well? Sometimes. I think it really depends on the specific thing that you're hiring for. And oftentimes, you know, we get told a lot that a VA is the logical first person to hire. But often what happens with business owners is they hire a VA because somebody said, hey, hire a VA. That's the first thing you should do. But a lot of the times we don't have established processes. We don't have the checklists and the established things to hand to a VA to execute that process. 
So with a lot of your examples, there are probably better folks to handle those sorts of things. So, you know, a bookkeeper is a good person to hire, um, but that's not necessarily the same as a VA. Likewise, social media, maybe it's a better idea to work with a social media consultant or really my philosophy is sure hire, but I always want to hire somebody who's going to be an expert at that thing because you can move a lot further faster taking advantage of somebody who that's the thing that they do. And so often, you know, a VA, there are times to hire a VA, but a lot of the times, especially with smaller, newer companies, hiring a VA can actually end up putting more work on your plate because you have to train them. You have to get what's in your head out into their head. If you're expecting them to execute your business, the way that you want it to be executed. So that's not to say that there's never a, a good time to hire a VA, but also that there are a lot of other ways that you could go about accomplishing the same task. And a lot of the times I think a VA can sometimes be a kind of the emergency parachute cord when we get overwhelmed as business owners. And it's the, I'm desperate. I'm so overwhelmed. There's so much to do, but sometimes the VA isn't necessarily the best person to help get rid of that overwhelmed feeling. I definitely understand that. I remember when I started getting more and more clients, um, at first I didn't have a CRM. So I went and I got HubSpot and I told myself, well, I'm dealing with so much. I need somebody that can handle my social media and handle HubSpot. I actually brought somebody on, but I had a teacher HubSpot. I had a teacher mm -hmm. how uh, to enter the, enter the data, uh, what schedule to follow. And the list just goes on and on and on. And I didn't want to continue to create all this different documentation to teach people how to um, how, how to run the things that I, I need to run. So I definitely get that. But I still want to know when, if ever, does it doesn't make sense to hire a VA. So to me, it makes sense to hire a VA if it's something that you are, that is really hard to automate. Mm. So a lot of, a lot of the things that we traditionally use VAs for, you can automate with a computer program. So one of the examples somebody always gives me is, oh, setting up my client folders. When I have a new client, you know, I, I like having a specific set of folders and sending the emails and those kinds of communication. Well, if you have a really solid process, you can use something like Zapier for that. You don't actually have to have somebody executing that every time. Um, and that's not really a good use of anyone's time, VA or otherwise. But there are some things that are difficult to do with a computer program. So scheduling, scheduling is great with a computer program. Calendly and Acuity, like that's what they're there for. And they make scheduling so much easier. Yes. So sometimes, you know, it's actually harder to go back and forth with someone's assistant to get stuff scheduled than just saying, hey, let's somebody send somebody a link and let's just pick times. Um, I'm also a huge fan because I'm awful at the time zone conversion. No matter what I do, <laughs> I inevitably go the wrong direction. But there are instances where, you know, we have like a really good example is if you're somebody with a pretty big audience and you get a ton of like incoming emails, sometimes a VA is great for helping you manage all of those communications and act as a filter for you more in kind of an executive assistant role than what we would typically think of as a generalist VA is a really good example of something that one is really difficult to automate because you need a you need a human 
You need somebody to read the email, figure out what needs to happen, figure out if it's something that requires your attention and then bring you in or respond as necessary. And that's not something that computers are necessarily great at yet. It seems to me that it's better to hire somebody that like, let's say we use the same example when it comes to emailing, hire somebody that that's what they specialize in, not somebody that can do your emailing, your social media and a bunch of other tasks. Um, it's better to get an executive assistant where what they do is emailing, right? Yeah. In my, in my opinion, and based off of my experience, both with my businesses and with my clients' businesses, is you can get a lot of really good value out of working with somebody that specializes in only the thing that you're trying to do. You know, the one thing, if that's what they do all day, every day, they're going to be so good at it, so much better than you could get or you know, yourself, if you're trying to handle everything or a generalist kind of person who handles all of your stuff, when you do one thing all day, every day, you just get so much better at it. And when you hire those kinds of people, then you get to take advantage of their expertise. And basically you can build a team of, you know, the people that are experts in their field and that's your team. And where would you advise somebody to go to, to find their VA or find somebody for their team? So for me, I always love tapping into my network. So especially in online businesses, there are so many great online communities that you can participate in. You can join relatively easy and they are a great resource to get references. I always love hiring people that I know people have worked with, that they know that they're top of their game. And that's, so that's where I always go is other business owners that I know, if I have a position that I'm looking to hire, I see, you know, Hey, do you know anybody who does this thing? And who do you think I should hire? You know, if I have a friend, say I'm trying to hire a copywriter and I have a few friends that either used to do copywriting or more in that field, I'll say, Hey, here's, here's the project I'm looking to hire for. Who do you think I should talk to? And that's a great source to get really top quality folks, I think. So speaking of your businesses, I want to move into talking about SkillSpark. I know you offer two services. Can you tell us what they are and how your clients can benefit from them? Sure. So the main way that I work with people is kind of on a retainer. So I'm a virtual CFO and systems advisor, primarily for agencies, consultants, service businesses, those kinds of folks. And the way that we work together is we start off doing basically an analysis of what kinds of foundational systems do you have in your business? And that includes financial systems, but also software systems and those processes that we talked about and your team. And do you have the right players in the right positions? Because that's a really important part of being able to scale your business. So what we do is we start off looking for opportunities to create that really solid foundation to grow from. Because basically, if you grow on a not particularly solid foundation, you'll find that you end up, you know, working a ton of hours or just being afraid to sell because you're not quite sure if you'll have the capacity to deliver. So any ongoing client starts with that. And we really try and figure out what are the foundations that we need to set in place. And then we move into kind of a monthly engagement where I'm handling the bookkeeping and the software, we're implementing those systems, we're refining your processes to make sure that you're running a really efficient business that has the capacity to scale. So that's how I work with most folks is as their virtual CFO. So I'm an kind of integrated member of their team. 
business advisor, sounding board, um, <laughs> all of those things, making sure that their business is, that they're able to use data to make decisions about how to grow the business, but also that the back end, the foundational systems can handle that growth. And the other way that I work with folks is in workflow intensives. So that's basically a one day project where we decide what we're gonna work on and execute it in a day. And oftentimes that's system configurations or we'll delve into specific financial issues. Sometimes we'll look at process, specifically processes. So something like client onboarding, defining, automating, figuring out what that looks like and then actually putting it into place. And what would you say is like the, the area where most people struggle with the most when starting their business? Ooh. <laughs> Probably mindset. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, four businesses in, there's still stuff that I go through. It's just every business is an evolution. And I think depending on the time of your business, you know, how long your business has been around, at the beginning, you're kind of experimenting. You know, you're trying to figure out what is your business? What's it about? Who do you work with? What kinds of services do you offer? And I think that can be really mentally difficult to get through that first slog. And in my experience, that slog lasts about three years. Like the first three years of any business, that's what it looks like um, for just about everybody. And I think what was interesting for me starting ScaleSpark versus my other businesses, so my other businesses were actual physical businesses. So I owned a guest ranch and a retail running store. Like they were actual things that you can say, oh, well, I have a guest ranch. I have a running store. But that's not true when you have an online business, particularly a service one. Right. Like you have to define what it is for people. And that was a real challenge for me starting this business compared to the others because I had to, I had to decide that. And it was uh, a lot more about me. And so I think there is an aspect of online business that is, makes it that a little bit more complicated. You know, everybody that I've talked to that first three years of an online business just looks like that. <laughs> of just constantly redefining and figuring out how you're talking to people about it and what you're saying about what you do. I agree. Almost every every person that I talk to, just like you said, in, in, in the first three years, they go through a ton of changes and sometimes they have a, a real hard time trying to figure out where, where they're going to end up. So mm -hmm. would somebody in those first three years be able to, to benefit um, from any of the services that you offer? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So a lot of what I do with clients is making sure that you, one, have those foundations, which are pretty universal. You know, we're talking about accounting systems and project management tools and um, how you're going to get contracts and payments and how you're going to package your services. Like those are all really foundational kinds of things. Now, a lot of what the work that I do with clients is with more established folks, but that's not to say that you couldn't benefit from the same services. But there's also a lot that you can do on your own before you get to somebody like me. So making sure that your bookkeeping is up to date allows you to have good financial data to decide what direction to grow. So for example, one of the things that I really like measuring with clients is when you're doing specific project types, looking at how profitable that specific kind of project is for you. So if you are tracking you know, your time and your costs that go into a specific project type, you can look at that after you've done a few projects 
and compare it to other projects that you're doing or other kinds of projects and see which one's more profitable. And maybe the ones that are more profitable, it's better to kind of double down on those and start selling more of those kinds of projects and maybe selling less of the ones that are less profitable. Or if you really like doing the ones that are less profitable, figure out how to do it a little bit more efficiently. This is just kind of one example of the kinds of things that I'm talking to my clients about, but that's not necessarily to say that you couldn't benefit from the same kind of information at the beginning. Because really, the more data that you can collect, the more you can learn, the faster you're going to get through that kind of experimentation phase. You know, the more you try, the faster you get through that. Right. All right. So um, I know we touched a little bit about on software, and that is one of my favorite topics. And I read that you have an, an encyclopedia of SAS tools in your brain. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I do always seem to be the person that when somebody's like, oh, I need a tool for that. I'm like, hey, have you heard about this thing? It was really cool. I was just checking it out. So yeah, I've kind of become the person that somebody, you know, when you're like, I need a tool that does this. I'm usually <laughs> the person that people are, are hitting up to try and find that. I know that you can just pick any software based off of the features that they have. And then if you have a bunch of different tools, you want to make sure that, that they work together. And I have a bad habit of getting software just because um, it does something that another tool doesn't have. And then I end up having two tools that do similar functions. Is that a common mistake that you see a lot of people have? Super common. Every time I do a uh, software audit, which is part of that kind of lead analysis where we're looking at all the systems in your business, Mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee every single person has at least one kind of duplicate software. And a lot of the times what happens is that, you know, the SaaS tools that are on the market, a lot of them are constantly evolving. They're constantly adding new features. So a lot of the times what happens is you'll pick one tool because it happened to be the best on the market when you started using it. But maybe another tool came on that evolved that had the feature that you needed and instead of realizing that you had something that already did that thing, because you, you know, most people are not like me getting 42 email notices about every time they add a feature to a SaaS tool. (laughs) um, You don't realize that the tool you already have actually probably does that thing. Or maybe there's a third tool that includes all of those features that you can switch to. And so it's really important to look at all the software you have kind of in an ecosystem, but I also recommend that everybody kind of does a software audit about once a year, just to make sure that you have the tools that are right for your business at the time. You know, the tools that we pick at the very beginning of our business are often not the tools that will help us grow. There's kind of a a general rule that every time you grow by a third, that a lot of the times your systems need to switch to keep up with that. That's a little dated because a lot of the, the tools that are on the market now are very scalable. But when your team grows from one to three people, you need systems in a way that you didn't when you hired just one person. Right. And similarly, when you go from three to five, that's a whole other kind of communication structure that you need to have in place. And a lot of the times technology can help with filling in that gap, particularly if you have like a remote team that doesn't talk to each other every day that doesn't come into an office and see everybody every day. And do you have like a list of your favorite tools or are there any tools that are, let's say a must have for somebody starting out? Uh, 
So I do have a team, uh, like a standard list of <laughs> these are my favorite things. Uh, and they're not necessarily critical for somebody starting out, but they're a great place to make sure that you're thinking about. So the one that I always recommend is accounting system. You should always have an accounting system. It hurts me when people say that they have a box full of receipts and then they go through them and, you know, add up, put them all in an Excel spreadsheet at the end of the year. Cause that just makes me hurt. Um, because modern accounting software is so user-friendly these days and so automated. So I'm, um, I always recommend Xero, uh, which is very similar to QuickBooks Online, but is a little more able to be integrated. So Intuit is the company behind QuickBooks, and they make a lot of other products. And they've been around for a really long time, but they are kind of fundamentally, they want you to stay in the Intuit family of products. It's not really in their best interest for you to leave and add on another app or another tool if there's something in their ecosystem that they can keep you in there. Where Xero was built from the ground up to integrate with other tools. So most of the time when you're integrating Xero into, say, your invoicing software or your project management tool, the connections tend to be a little bit more robust. You can shuffle data back and forth, more data back and forth between your tools. So Xero, I love. I also find that business owners versus accountants tend to be able to use Xero a little bit better. It's less intimidating. It has like normal speak. <laughs> so like, you know, bills to pay instead of accounts payable. Like they are human language terms in the system that make it a little bit more user-friendly for non-accountants. Um, so that's one I always recommend. The other one is as you start adding team members, payroll can be a real headache. And so I always recommend Gusto, which is a fabulous user-friendly tool that allows you to pay both W-2 employees, but also if you have US-based contractors that tend to work with you, Gusto is a great tool that allows you to pay them regularly, but will also do all the 1099 tax stuff at the end of the year for you which is a great time saver. So those are the two I almost always recommend. Um, my personal favorite in terms of project management tools, I love ClickUp. I'm a huge ClickUp fan. Oh, yes. um, it's very reasonably priced. It's huge value for the subscription fee compared to a lot of the other project management tools. And it's really, really flexible. It takes, a, there's a little bit of a learning curve in terms of how you structure the system because it's flexible, so it's going to let you structure it kind of however you want. But once you get the hang of it, it's really user-friendly. Um, and so those are probably the three that I almost always am recommending to folks. Do you think that the reason why some people may hire a VA because they may not know what tools are out there available to them? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the common wisdom says hire a VA. Oh, you're overwhelmed? Hire a VA. And a lot of the times I think it is because... I like to talk about things in terms of uh, default decisions. So default or de decisions are kind of the decisions we make at the beginning of our business that we may not realize we're making a decision about. So maybe it's what accounting system you use. Somebody told you you use QuickBooks, so you did. Because you didn't really think about that maybe there was another choice. Or you 
decided to bill hourly because that's what you thought happened or you choose the industry that you're coming out of as your standard. You're like, well, that's just the industry standard. We send really complicated proposals and that's the industry standard. That's what everybody expects. And I think it's difficult sometimes to recognize that we're making choices about how our business is structured when we don't realize there are other solutions out there. And so one of the reasons I started my podcast, Break the Ceiling, is to tell people about all the other opportunities that are out there, all the other ways you could implement different solutions so that people don't get trapped in the, this is what you should do. And they know the range of choices that they can pick from about their business. Because I'm so happy you said that because that is exactly why I love your, your podcast. I remember on, it was one of the episodes that you were talking about how we default the simple. And I remember you said that you don't need to scale or even think about it as long as you have a process. How do you create a process to, to keep it simple? So the way that this usually ends up working is me asking why. <laughs> so <laughs> when clients come to me, usually it's with this, hey, we have this really complicated process. We need to make it more automated or more streamlined or you know more efficient and usually my question is why are you why is the process this way what's the business case like what value are you getting out of that because oftentimes the choices that we've made if you make a different choice at the beginning of the workflow it completely solves that whole efficiency problem because you can completely eliminate it so a great example of this is thinking about billing hourly. So if you think about the workflow that goes into your time and materials, your hourly type billing, it's really long. And that sounds weird, but first you have to track your time and you have to track your time against your project and you have to track your materials. And then you have to have a process through which you create, you basically take that information and turn it into an invoice. And you have to have a way to send the invoice to your client. And then you have to have a way for them to pay you. And if they don't pay you, you have to go chase them down and ask them for their money. That's a really long workflow that requires complicated systems and or people to do that. And can be really time intensive. Whereas if you make a different choice, say you package your service and you take payment up front or you bill your retainer up front at the beginning of the month, the workflow pretty much looks like send them the invoice in the contract, they pay you, and that's it. Like that's the whole workflow. <laughs> you, you go do the work and that's it. You know, so making a different choice at the beginning of the workflow often just eliminates the problem altogether. And it's much easier to make a different decision at the beginning and eliminate a workflow than to try and make something that's inherently complex more efficient. So usually I'm asking, why are we doing it this way? Like, is there a real reason? Um, and oftentimes the reason is, I don't, I don't know, or that's just the way we've always done it. And so asking why is like the most powerful tool at my disposal. <laughs> yes, that is so true, man. I eliminated my workflow. It made everything so easier, less stressful. Um, I, I know you had Pia Silva on your show and I would listen to that show and I was like, you know what? I'm doing everything wrong. And I was like, <laughs> that's not the point. We're not trying to make you feel like you're doing everything wrong. 
<laughs> but it's like there's there is a better way instead of doing the way that I've been told to do it. You no, know, for so many years, where has break the ceiling been all my life? And that is the reason why I subscribe. I'm telling you, it has changed my life. So I, I thank you. And that's why I say I'm honored that you're here today. Because well, thank you. your podcast is amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So August stuff. And I kind of want to be selfish and take advantage of having you here right now. And I just want to know what else. Is there anything else that, that we need to cover that we need to talk about? I think if there's any kind of advice I could give to people that are starting a business is that it's an evolution and it's always going to be an evolution. And there's this cycle that I have found where sometimes you just, it seems to be about once a year, you go through this period where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. Everything feels broken. And if you can hang on a couple of weeks, like that, that phase goes away. It's a season, but it happens repeatedly in your business. And sometimes you just kind of need to push through it and be patient with yourself and be patient with your business and recognize that, that you will get through that that was one of the things that was hardest for me that I just kept feeling like oftentimes we were we were pushing something and it was about to pay off and you knew it was going to come but you were just in this hole of (laughs) hole of doubt like there is there is the pit of despair I think is what the software industry calls it and just got to be patient and get through it because it's it'll go away (laughs) It'll come back around, but it's a season. That is great. That is great. And before we wrap, I was told to ask you, how <laughs> how much does a town cost to buy? So this is a funny story that um, when my husband and I decided to buy our guest ranch, the way that that happened is that my brother was in Steamboat and we were talking and he was like, oh, there's a town for sale up north. There's a town called Columbine. It's a historic mining town. And it was for sale. It was like $1.1 million. And my friend happened to be a realtor. And I was like, hey, if I buy you a six pack, like, will you take us out to see this town? Like, I really want to see what a town for sale costs. Like, I just want to buy a town. And so we went up and we looked at the guest ranch and we made an offer. And it ended up not working out on that one. We ended up buying a, a different guest ranch. But yeah, a town costs about a million dollars. I think that town specifically ended up selling for about 800 after a while like we offered them 1.1 they turned us down and then like two years later it finally sold there's not a lot of people in the market for historic mining towns with you know 12 cabins falling down on the wyoming border (laughs) like (laughs) it's literally at the end of the road on the border of wyoming but um, it was a kind of a fluke thing that led us down the path of having this amazing guest ranch and um which led us down the path to having a running store, which led me down the path to ScaleSpark. So it was the random fluke that kind of led the way. Everything happens for a reason. I love that. It does. All right, Susan, again, thank you so very much for coming onto the show today. If people wanted to learn more about you, where can they go? Uh, They can head to the website, which is scalespark.co or hit me up on Twitter. I love talking to folks. So Twitter or Instagram is at the Susan Bowles. And obviously head to break the ceiling and give us a listen and let me know what you think. Wow. What an amazing learning experience that was with Susan Bowes from scalespark.co. We learned so much. We learned about when you should hire a VA, what systems to use, defaulting to simple, automating your workflow, and just a whole lot more. 
All of the resources and links mentioned on this episode can be found at theblairgroup.com slash EP11. This is definitely an episode that has some replay value. And doing it, I, I felt like I was a student more than anything else. I was just soaking in everything. It felt like I was listening to another episode of one of my favorite podcasts, Break the Ceiling. If you want to hear more from Susan, check out her podcast, Break the Ceiling. I actually subscribe to it and I have made so many changes in my business all because of the information that I got from Susan and her awesome guests. Also, visit her website, scalespark.co, not.com to learn more about how you can scale your business. Plus, the site looks amazing. And if it isn't already obvious, I am a fan. And Susan, if you are listening, I want to thank you again for being on the Blair Radio podcast. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in every single week. I want you to do me a favor. Go through your own software audit. Look and see what tools that you have that are doing some of the same functions as some of your other tools. Then let me know which ones you kept. I love software and I just want to see what everybody is using with their businesses. Once again, thank you so very much and go out into the online world and do whatever you can to be heard. Hey everybody, James Shannon here. I was thinking about something. Um, people hire other people to save time doing the stuff that they really don't want to do. But that takes time and money to teach those people to do that stuff. When you use software, it saves time and it costs less money. Susan Bowes gave us some of her favorite tools, so I'm going to give you one of mine. With PandaDoc, you can create, send, track, and sign awesome documents, proposals, contracts, and quotes, and a whole lot more. It's what we've been using at the Blair Group since the beginning, and we are one of the 16,000 plus companies still using it today. Join us by visiting my affiliate link, theblairgroup.com slash PandaDoc, and try it for free today. Again, that is theblairgroup.com slash PandaDoc. into screams. Learn more at theblairgroup.com. Until next time, be heard.